Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament passage of Joshua. The Old Testament passage of Joshua. Now, we've been hitting a series of the vision of the work that God has given us a work to do. And we started off by talking about the Great Commission, what God has given us to do. We also explained that, that it comes in two parts. First of all, is soul winning, that we're supposed to go out and tell the gospel to every creature, to, to every person that we can find. That the second part of it is discipleship, that I define discipleship as developing the habit of obedience to Christ, but it's pouring your life into someone with a purpose of reproducing it. And we talked to uh, talked about the importance of discipleship in the last couple weeks and the importance of the discipler going out and investing their life, providing that accountability. Now what we're going to do is we're going to take a character study of three men on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night who submitted themselves. What is the responsibility of the disciplee? We saw the discipler is supposed to teach. What about the disciplee? How are they supposed to respond? How are they supposed to act? Remember the purpose is multiplication. The purpose is continuing on with, with what God has given us to do. What is the disciplee's part of it? And of course if you were to look at two or three men, three uh, relationships of a man of God and his follower you could see in Moses and Joshua, Elijah and Elisha, and <laughs> Paul and Timothy. And an amazing thing with each one of those, that the predecessor, or the, the one who followed his predecessor, actually completed his predecessor's work. Could you imagine all the amazing things that Moses has done? Joshua completed his work. The miracles that Elijah did. He did seven major miracles. Elisha doubled that. And he also did several things that God had tasked Elijah to do. Elisha completed it. Paul, the Apostle Paul, who started over 80 churches in his life. It was Timothy, his son in the faith, who carried on some of his important works, like the church of Ephesus and other things that continue to go on. It was these men who followed after them. So how do we get this point? How do we get there? Well, I want to show you the Bible's open secret. I want to show you what the Bible says, that the follower, the, the disciple, the person supposed to do, and God blesses that obedience so much that he uses them to complete the work. I want to show you something that is missing in a lot of Christianity today that has stunted the growth of Christianity because we, don't, we have the absence of this. So Joshua chapter 1, Joshua chapter 1, and notice with me in verse number 1. Joshua 1 in verse 1, the Bible says this, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake to, unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, towards the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not 
any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide an inheritance unto the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, according uh, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper where, whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success." Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1. Notice the name Joshua and maybe you could put a line or circle or go to the, his qualifier here. Joshua, Moses's minister. Joshua, Moses' minister. And with the Lord's help, I'd like to do a quick character study on the early part of Joshua's life with the idea of Joshua, Moses' minister. Joshua, Moses' minister. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you today, I'm just asking that you would just open up the scriptures in a special way. Oh, I believe that you're going to show some things that people haven't even seen before. That we could see Joshua in the being Moses' uh, minister, working behind the scenes, lifting up the man of God, serving the man of God. And that you would open up this principle and that you would teach us in a special way how we can be used by you by submitting ourselves and making ourselves a servant unto the authority you've given us in our lives. Lord, I'm asking that you please teach us. Help us now. Fill me with your spirit. I need you. I need you to make it clear. I need you to touch people's heart. Do what I cannot do. You be God. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Joshua, Moses' minister. Now, it's good to define terms. The word minister literally means servant. So it says Joshua was Moses' servant. You say, well, what does that mean? Does that mean that he was his cheerleader? No, he was his servant. You know, when you saw Moses, Moses was in the forefront of the first four, uh, the first five books are called the Pentateuch. Uh, after Genesis, you had, <laughs> excuse me, Exodus. Uh, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It was Moses who was front and central as a human character, a human person. He was a historical figure. And right behind him in the foreshadow, uh, right in the back, in the background, you had Joshua. He was Moses' minister. What does that mean? When Moses had to go somewhere, guess who carried his stuff? Guess when Moses needed something done, who was his gopher? You know what a gopher is, go for this and go for that. Who was his gopher? That was Joshua. He was Moses' minister. He was his servant. Moses, what do you need me to do? 
Moses, what can I do for you? Moses, how can I help you? What can I do for you? How can I help this? Can I carry this for you? Can I do this for you? That was Joshua. Later on, it said of Elijah and Elisha. Elijah had already passed, and Elisha has taken the, th taken the thing. They're talking about him in the king's office. And you know what they said about Elisha? He was the man who poured water on his master. What did that mean? Well, they didn't have water faucets. So whenever Elijah wanted to wash his hands, it was Elisha who would hold the water bucket and pour it on his hands. What does it mean to be a servant? He was a servant. Can I shine your shoes? Can I wash it off for you? What can I do for you? That was Joshua's job. That was uh, Elisha's job. That was Timothy's job. Now when you see the book of Joshua, the book of Joshua is the, is the book of the victorious Christian life. How do we get the victorious Christian life? We have to look at Joshua's job uh, beforehand. What was he like beforehand? Before God pushed him in the forefront, before he told him to take over, before he completed Moses' work. Remember, God said to the, uh, Moses that he was to, supposed to take the children of Israel from Egypt into the promised land. Moses never went to the promised land. It was Joshua who completed Moses' work. What made him qualified? What put him in that position? What made him so that way he had all these victories? Notice what it says, all the things Joshua is going to do. Verse number two, Moses, my servant, is dead. That second time in two verses, God said Moses was God's servant. So here's God, here's Moses, who submitted himself to his master, and Joshua, who submitted himself to his master. Let me pause here and exclaim this. If you will not obey visible authority, you will not obey invisible authority. That's the principle here. If you will not obey visible authority, you will not obey invisible authority. That's how it's set up. Notice as we go on. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore rise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give unto them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have given to you, as I said unto Moses. So Joshua is carrying out the same plan that, that God gave to Moses. And can you imagine being told that? Anywhere you walk, anywhere you go, I'm giving it to you. So if you could walk really far, all of that is yours. That is an open promise. And that, that was just dependent on his own faith of how far he can go out. Verse 4, from the wilderness. Now if you were to trace this out, this is bigger than Israel has ever owned. From the wilderness unto Lebanon, that's all the way up to where Syria is. Even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, that is over where Iraq is. That was the borders. They were supposed to go all the way up to Turkey, all the way over to Iraq, and all the land of the Hittites, that's Turkey, Asia Minor, and to the great sea, that's the Mediterranean Sea, to the going down of the sun shall be your coast. God said, I want you to have all of that. Just go take it. I'll give it to you if you go out by faith. Verse number 5, and there shall be not a man able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. What a promise that he said, just like I was with Moses and God was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. You're going to carry out the work. Now why would Joshua be picked? Why not Aaron? Aaron's already dead, but why not him? Why not Ur? Why, not, why was it Joshua? 
In verse 6, Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people thou shalt divide an inheritance of the land, which I swear to their fathers to give them. Once again, this was something Moses was tasked to do, but he did not complete it. It was Joshua who completed it. Verse 7, Only be thou strong and very courageous. Two times he gives this idea, be courageous, that thou mayest observe to do all the law. Notice here, God says, I want you to be courageous, to observe, to do all of the law. It's going to take bravery to obey me. It's going to take bravery to obey the Bible, the next verse. But he says in this verse and the next verse, observe to do. Do you know why he could remind him of this? Because Joshua was already in the habit of being a servant. Whatever you tell me to do, Master, I'll do. Because he obeyed visible authority, he was prepared to because he obeyed visible authority, he was prepared to obey invisible authority. He just made himself a servant unto Moses and he got such a habit just to do whatever Moses wanted, whatever Moses needed and anticipate Moses' needs. He's now prepared to do whatever God tells him to do. And he's able to accomplish and complete the work that God gave to Moses. Only, verse 7, Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou may observe to do all the law which, my Moses, uh, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand to the left that they mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate they, day and night. Why? That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Because he obeyed visible authority, he's now ready and prepared to obey invisible authority. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. As he's obeying, God's going to make his way prosperous. And then thou shalt have good success. If you want to have good success, learn to observe. Learn to obey visible authority so you could obey invisible authority. Verse number 9, Have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. God repeats himself several times. I'm going to be with you. Observe to do. Observe to do. Now, why is it we come to Joshua, he's ready to conquer it. It is the book of the victorious Christian life. How can we have victory? How can we get this victory this God, that God promised us? We should be victorious people. How do we get this? Well, with that, I want to go and look at Joshua's life before this point. And I want to show you the job, the, the idea of a biblical minister. Joshua was Moses' minister. What is this idea of being a biblical minister? We're going to go through the early part and let's see the first time Joshua is mentioned. Exodus chapter 24. Exodus 24. Now, in Exodus 20, turn with me to Exodus 24 if you wouldn't mind. Exodus 20, God has already given Moses the Ten Commandments. Now in Exodus 24, God has told Moses, I want you to come back up the mountain. i got some business to do with you. And he's going to give them the plans for the tabernacle. In fact, he's going to spend the next uh, several verses or chapters giving him the plans of the, the tabernacle. But I want to show you something that you probably didn't quite catch before. Maybe you have, but notice with me Exodus 24. Usually we put an emphasis on Moses. Let's see what Mo who Moses has with him. Exodus 24, notice in verse 12. And the Lord said unto Moses, Come unto me into the mount and be there, and I will give thee tables of stone and a law and commandments which I have written, 
that thou mayest teach them. And Moses rose up, and his minister Joshua, and Moses went up to the mount of God. Now, when Moses went up, he didn't go by himself. He had Joshua right beside him, his minister. His, his job was to serve Moses and to give Moses whatever he needed during this time. Verse number 14, And he said to the elders, Tarry ye here for us until we come down again unto you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. If any man have any matters to do, let him come to them. So he placed someone in charge. I'm going to go up to the mountain. These guys are in charge. I'll be right back. Verse 15, and Moses went into the mount, and a cloud covered the mount, and the glory of the Lord abode on the Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days, and the seventh he called Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire at the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moses went again into the midst of the mount, and got him up in the mount, and Moses was in the mount forty days and forty nights. Now we know the story of Moses. He goes up to the mountain, he goes up, there's fire and there's lightning and it's burning up there. He goes into the cloud. He spends 40 days and 40 nights there. He didn't need anything. But guess who's with him? Joshua. Now God is dealing business with Moses, but Joshua is there. For the 40 days and 40 nights, Joshua is there. I want to show you the first principle. The job of a minister is to obey. The job of a minister is to obey. Remember, the word uh, minister means servant. Sometimes we'll ask people, what is the only job of a servant? And they'll say to serve. That's not technically correct. The only job of a servant is to obey. So, God said, Moses, come up here. And I'm going to speak to you. Moses says, Joshua, you come with me? And he says, Joshua, you wait here until I get back. So what was Joshua supposed to do? Wait there. He had to wait there 40 days and 40 nights until God was done dealing with Moses. Now he may not go up on the mountain as far as Moses did, but he wasn't down with the people. But his job was to obey his master. He wasn't going back down off the mountain and saying, Hey guys, I'm bored. I want to go see what you're doing. He didn't have his Game Boy or Xbox with him. He just had to wait for his master to need him again. He was told just to sit there and wait. And he sat there and he was obedient to his master. How many of you have patience to sit there and wait for someone else? You know, Moses, he's talking with God. You can understand there are 40 days and 40 nights. And he's not eating and drinking. But you got Joshua who's there waiting for Moses to get down. 40 days and 40 nights. He's waiting because that was his last instructions. I'm supposed to wait here. He was a servant. The only job of a servant is to obey. So Joshua, he got to have part of the experience. He didn't get to go have all the experience with a man of God. But he was willing to obey his master. And later on that helped him prepare to obey God later on when it was his turn. So the job of the minister is to obey. Turn with me, if you wouldn't mind, as they come down the mountain, Exodus 32. Remember, they went up in Exodus 30, uh, 24. Exodus 32, God's done and He's sending them down the mountain. Notice with me, Exodus 32. It's time to go down the mountain. Now, what they don't know is that everything went crazy 
when they were down the mountain. They put Aaron and her in charge, and all of a sudden the people went crazy. They said, Moses has been gone 40 days. Now notice, they've been waiting 40 days, but they could not wait. Joshua's on the mountain, not even with anybody else. He's by himself waiting for 40 days. These people are down here 40 days. Moses is dead. Let's build golden calves. Aaron, why don't you make us some golden calves? They couldn't even wait the 40 days. And so they start having a party and everything. Moses gets ready to go down. Verse number 15, Exodus 32, 15. Moses turned and went down from the mount. And the two tables of the testimony were in his hand. The tables were written on both their sides, on one side and then the other side were they written. And the tables were the work of God. And the writing was the writing of God graven on the tables. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. That literally, Joshua's been waiting Finally, Moses comes down. He's got two tables of the law. He says, all right, Joshua, let's go. They start walking down the mountain. As they get down, they start hearing a sound. They go, what is that? What is that? Finally, Joshua gets down and hears a little bit more. He says, it's the noise of war. Someone's attacking. Someone is coming and they're destroying the people. <laughs> what kind of music were they listening to that made them think it was a war zone going on? It wasn't hymns. That's a different message altogether, but they said it's like a noise of war. It sounds like they're fighting and they're angry and, and, the, and the drums, they're, they're, they're getting attacked. Verse 17, uh, the noise of war, verse 18. And he said, Moses, it is not the voice of them that shout for mastery, neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome, but it is the noise of them that sing, do I hear. He says, the noise you hear aren't the people that says, we're got you now. It's not the noise of those that said, please don't kill us. It's the noise of people who sing. It wasn't appropriate things. But notice this, the second thing I want to show you. The biblical minister is separate from the masses. The biblical minister is separate from the masters. masses. Here's Joshua. He's there obeying his master. He is more close to his master than what he is to the rest of the world. And the rest of the world is going crazy, but he is clinging to his master. So when he comes down, he has the same reaction as his master. What is that? That's not right. That's because he spent so much time with the master that the rest of the world, as they're going crazy, he, he's got his heart. He's got the master's heart. He's got the master's mind. And he's not attracted to that down there, the masses. What everyone else is caught up with because he's attached himself to his master, to that, that biblical servant. Again, Joshua is a witness to them too. He's been waiting on the mountain. He's been hanging out. Moses is getting the spotlight. But Joshua's there in the background just obeying his master. Notice there's something else. Go to the next book or chapter, Exodus 33. Exodus 33. Exodus 33 is probably the most biblical passage, the best passage in the Bible that explains biblical separation. But notice, if you wouldn't mind, this amazing story. Exodus 33, notice with me in verse 8. And it came to pass when Moses went out into the tabernacle that all the people rose up 
and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he were, was gone into the tabernacle. So Moses went in the tabernacle. It's almost like the whole town is quiet. The whole thing's quiet. And they quietly watch as Moses goes into the tabernacle where God's presence is at. And it came to pass as Moses entered in the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar, the Holy Spirit, that big visible cloud of pillar, it was a fire at night and a cloud during the day, descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door. And all the people arose and worshipped every man in his tent door. And the, and the Lord spake to Moses face to face as a man speaketh to his friend. And he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not of the tabernacle. Here's everyone else who's afraid to go in the tabernacle. But notice this. This young man, Joshua, obeyed his master, followed his master. He walked behind. He's quiet. He's not speaking, but he's watching God speak to Moses face to face. Joshua was there. You know, we miss that Joshua is there. He's witnessing this whole exchange as they continue to go on. The third thing I want to show you is a biblical minister learns from his master how to walk with God. The biblical minister learns from his master how to walk with God. As we apply this to discipleship, what we will try to do is have experienced uh, uh, disciplers who have a walk with God to teach someone else how to walk with God. Well, how do they pray? How do they read their Bible? How do, that's what this whole pouring of it out, that Joshua witnessed this. Because he watched Moses speak to God, he knew he could speak to God. He had this walk and he got to witness it. Notice this amazing passage, verse 12. Now, Joshua's not spoken anymore, but we know he's there. He's watching this. He's standing in the corner. You hear the expression of fly on the wall? That's what he was. He was there watching. He watched God talk with Moses, verse 12. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou hast sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee. You know, it's amazing, the two greatest Christians in all the Bible, Moses of the Old Testament and Paul of the New Testament, at the heights of their ministry, both had the same prayer. They wanted to know God more. Isn't that a humbling thing that Moses, who God is already speaking face to face as a friend, God's, Moses' prayer was he still wanted to know God more. Are you satisfied with the knowledge that you have? Remember, you're always as close to God as you want to be. That means where you're at right now in your walk with God, that's where you want to be. You can always get closer if you desire it. Notice as it goes on. He says, verse 13, Now therefore I pray thee, if I found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider this nation thy people. And he said, God, 
My presence shall go with me, and I will give thee rest. And he said to him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated. Notice this. Here's biblical separation. Because God goes with us, it separates us from the rest of things in life. Because you get closer with God, He will naturally push the other things out. Because He goes with us, because of the presence of the Lord, so we shall be separated. I and thy people, and all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And will show mercy to him on whom I will show mercy. And he said, thou cannot see my face for... There shall be no man see me and live. And God said, Behold, there is a place by me that thou shalt stand upon a rock. And it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in the cleft of a rock and cover it with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away my hand and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. And guess who was there in this conversation? Joshua. Can you imagine what it would be like to walk into the prayer closet of a Spurgeon. Could you imagine what it would be like to sit in the prayer closet of a George Mueller? Imagine what it would be in a, to sit in the prayer closet to hear D.L. Moody, R.A. Torrey, Tozer, any of these great heroes of the faith, and to sit beside them and listen to them pray. Can you imagine being by the Apostle Paul and listen to him talk to God? Now this was something special. God did something special to Moses. He spoke to Moses face to face as a friend. And Joshua was there. Don't you think he learned quite a bit about Moses' walk with God? That Moses was a special guy that God said, You can't see my face, but I'm going to put you in this cleft of the rock. And I'm going to walk by. And as I walk by, I'm going to remove my hand. And you're going to see my back. But you'll see me. And that's all you can handle. And Joshua was there. He's in the background. He, he's not the emphasis, but he is there. You know, a biblical minister learns from his master how to walk with God. What made Joshua where he could take over and lead the victorious Christian life? How can you have a victorious Christian life? Man, you attach yourself to a man of God. You become a servant and you begin to learn his walk with God and it will rub off on you as well. Let's see what else it says about Joshua. Fast forward with me to the book of Numbers. So Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers 14. Numbers 14. As you turn there, let me catch you up what happened. And uh, the rest of Exodus, God receives part of the law. They build the tabernacle. The book of Leviticus happens the first year, the first month after they left Egypt. And they build the tabernacle and they give the law that first month. After that, the book of Numbers covers the next 38 years. In the wilderness wanderings, they go up to Kadesh Barnea, which is a little place, a marker. And they send spies in the land to get ready to go take the land. Moses, remember, was tasked to bring them into the promised land. So they sent 12 spies, Joshua, Caleb, and then 10 others. They go out and they see the giants of Anak. They see 
uh, grapes that are so big, you actually have to carry it on a pole. Can you imagine that? Having grapes that big, uh, that many of them, you carried them on a pole and it took two people to carry them, one on one side. Imagine bringing that in and saying, this is what we found. It was the land of milk and honey. They saw so many things. And they came back into the land. And Joshua and Caleb said, let's go take it. Let's go now. You should expect Joshua to do that. He just saw God speak to Moses face to face. He knew God was real. But the other ten spies, they said, no, no, we can't do it. They're giants of the land. They're too much. They're going to beat us. It would be better if we just kind of hold up and just died because it's not there. Now the people are getting upset. Moses steps in and says, no, we got to obey God. And the people are ready to stone Moses. Guess who decides to speak up? Right when they're ready to kill Moses? Joshua. Notice with me, if you wouldn't mind, in the context now. Joshua chapter 14. Let's jump right in the middle of it. Verse 6. Joshua 14, verse 6. So they're already arguing with Moses. Verse 6. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Japheth, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake to all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which... We pass through to search it is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delight in us, then He will bring us into the land and will give it to us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them. The Lord is with us, fear them not. Not, but the congregation bade stones, uh, bade stone them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before the children of Israel. You know what we learn here? A biblical minister is loyal to his leader, even against the crowd. A biblical minister is loyal to his leader, even against the crowd. Moses is saying, "Hey, God told us to take the land. Let's do it." And the people are saying, "No, we can't. We can't." And they're getting ready to stone Moses and go back into slavery. They said, we quit. We don't want this no more. We don't want to go forward. And you know what Joshua did? He could see what was happening. He knew that if he spoke up, he may die too. But he was still loyal to his master and said, I'm willing to follow you. Hey, the preacher, he's still fine. I know it's hard to imagine, but there may be times where your preacher gets in trouble. Not because I'm doing anything wrong, but because I'm doing something right. There may be a time you have to defend your preacher and say, you know what? Pastor's pastor and he's doing what's right. There may be a time where you may be against the crowd. Maybe everyone turns against. Who knows what to happen? They may come with pitchforks and uh, torches. Are you willing to stand for the man of God that God has placed for you? Now, if I'm doing something wrong, that's different. But if I'm doing something right, if I'm following the Lord... Are you willing to go against popular opinion? Are you willing to go against the crowd? That's what Joshua did. He was willing to stand up. Even against the crowd, he was still loyal to his master. That's what a biblical servant does. He's still loyal. Because he proved that he was trustworthy in the hard times, God can trust him with victory later on. You know the only time you could ever be proven is when hard times come. That's when anyone could be proven whether they're loyal or not, when they're going to stay or not, is when hard times come, when the fire comes. That's the only time you could be proven. 
Joshua went through the fire and he was loyal to his master. He could have said, oops, nope, nope, Moses, you're on your own now. And he could have got by without being yelled at, without being threatened to get killed. But he was loyal, even if he went with him. Notice, if you wouldn't mind, let's fast forward a little bit more and let's see something else. So Joshua has stood 40 years as Moses' servant. 40 years he was saying, Preacher, what can I do for you? Can I dust off your feet? Can I wash your feet? Preacher, what can I do for you? Can I help take out the trash? Preacher, can I carry that for you? Preacher, can I do this? Preacher, can I help you with this? Forty years he's followed Moses as Moses' servant. He's 60 years old now. He's not saying, when is it my turn? Push away, old man. He's been faithful. Now notice at the end, he's getting ready to be thrust. Moses has been told by God, put Joshua in charge. Notice what God says about 40 years of faithfulness to his master. In Numbers 27, verse 18. No, Moses, or Numbers 27, verse 18. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee, Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thy hand upon him, and set him before Eleazar the priest, before all the congregation, and give him a charge in their sight. And thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him, and all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient." Notice this, that a biblical minister's example of obedience encourages obedience in others. A biblical minister's example of obedience encourages others to obey. Here they put Joshua in charge and said, Hey, he's in charge. He's been the example of obedience. Now others obey. Follow after him. Notice how he's obeyed that all Israel may be obedient. The biblical minister's example of obedience encourages others to obey. I want to show you one last thing if you wouldn't mind. Numbers 32. Numbers 32. Once again, Joshua is getting the, the heads up. Moses is putting his encouragement on him. He, he's putting his faith on him. But notice now in commentary what the Bible says about Joshua. Numbers 32 and verse 12. Numbers 32, 12. It says, Say for Caleb the son of Jephna of the Kinzite and Joshua the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed Moses. No, the Bible says they wholly followed the Lord. When you obey visible authority, you're also obeying invisible authority. Here we see the biblical minister follows his leader in order to obey the Lord. That if you're disobedient to visible authority, you're also disobedient to invisible authority. If we have, we have lots of children, I love children, but children, if you're disobedient to your Sunday school teacher, you're disobedient to the Lord. If you're disobedient to your folks, you're disobedient to the Lord. Wives, I'm sorry, if you're disobedient to your husbands, you are disobedient to the Lord. If you're disobedient to your pastor, if I'm not asking you to do something that's not immoral, unbiblical, or illegal, you should do your best to do it because as obeying me, you're obeying the Lord. We all have authority. Employees, when you disobey your boss 
It doesn't matter if they're crazy. It doesn't matter if they're lost. It doesn't matter. As long as they're not asking you something illegal, immoral, or unethical, if, if it's reasonable, you should do it. Because obeying them, you're obeying the Lord. I know this is hard. I know it's hard. Citizens! <laughs> if your government hasn't told you to do anything illegal, immoral, or unbiblical, you should obey it. Let me give you one. We all hate speed limits. Those aren't suggestions. If you disobey that authority, you're also disobeying visible authority. Nobody likes to hear that. But remember, how we treat invisible, invisible authority is how we treat invisible authority. But we're trying to tie it more into the idea of a discipleship, discipler and disciplee. If you truly have a craving, if there's something inside of you that really wants to be used of God, your first step is to find a man of God and attach yourself to him. Not that I'm anything special, not that Moses was anything special, but it's all about for the Lord. But as you learn to obey, as you learn their walk, as you attach yourself to it, God will turn around and use you in ways that you can't even imagine. In fact, Moses, Joshua never imagined Moses not going to the promised land. He didn't imagine that he was going to lead the people. But God used him to complete his master's work. And he could be trusted because he obeyed visible authority. Again, forgive the personal illustration. Years ago as a young preacher boy, someone pulled me aside and taught me that lesson. And I attached myself to men of God and I said, teach me. I'll just shut up and you just teach me. Man, you need your shoes shined? You need your rocks raked? What can I do for you? Man, you need toilets clean? What can I do for you? You know... I'll take my days off and you know, serve you. You know, that principle of just, not that I'm anything great, but I learned something here that, that if, if I could just attach myself to a man of God, if I could learn, just teach me what to do. Now, I, again, there's another step up for people called in the ministry, preacher boys. If you consider yourself part of the ministry, you need to be doing this. I meant, as a young preacher boy, there wasn't a single service that passed that I did not go to my pastor and say, what can I do for you? Even if it was go out and shake out the rugs, sweep the sidewalk, rake rocks. Phoenix, we don't have grass, we have rocks. And so you got to keep the rocks clean. So what I would do, take rake and even out all the rocks. I mean, it's nothing big. Can I help clean the toilets? If I... You know, saw my pastor in there trying to clean the bathroom because someone exploded and, you know, we had to clean it up. Pastor, I'll take care of that. Pastor, I'll do that. Not that I'm anything special. And by the way, I'm not trying to build a kingdom and trying to get all minions. It's not the principle here. The principle is, is that if you want to be used of God, attach yourself to a man of God. Learn from him. Go with him. Do whatever you can. Those who are in discipleship, just make yourself totally teachable. Uh, pretend you know nothing. That's hard to do. And say, teach me. And learn from them. And anything that they ask, if it's not unbiblical, you know, if it's reasonable, do it. Even if it sounds crazy. Trust. Obey. Again, I'm not trying to 
to teach some kind of principle where we're trying to join a cult. It's not, that's not what we're doing. All right? Don't drink the Kool-Aid. That's not what we're talking about. But anybody who wants to be used of the Lord, I'm trying to show you the principle, not only in the life of Moses and Joshua, I'm going to show you in Elijah and Elisha. I'm going to show you in Paul and Timothy this week. And each one of those young men grew up and they completed their master's work. They completed what their masters could not do because they learned that obeying visible authority is also obeying invisible authority. And later God can trust them and use them. If anybody wants to be used of God, you could be used mediocrely or you could be used powerfully. And it's all the idea of this obedience during this stage. Lord, I want to be used of you. Teach me. Let me learn from this guy. Let me put myself as a servant. No one likes the idea of a servant, but Jesus in Philippians chapter 2, even though he was equal to God, he humbled himself and became of no reputation and fashioned himself in the form of a servant. We just need to be servants. By the way, I'm your minister, I'm your preacher, it's my job to serve you, not to build a kingdom, but I need to find ways to serve you and to help you. And so just going round in circles, we're just trying to please him.